This one is very special. However, the discussion we have on this podcast, and by we, I mean me and my beautiful wife, and she joins me for the intro. How are you, darling? Hello, well, thanks. The subject that we discuss, or the multiple subjects that we discuss, are a set of unfortunate truths. Now, truth is obviously only a perspective, and mostly this is my perspective with my beautiful wife tempering me somewhat. It's a discussion about the three years of work that I've done looking into megalithic societies here in Australia, what happened, when, where, how, why. And it is a set of unfortunate truths and something that I will continue to investigate and report back to you. However, having my lovely wife on the podcast was a privilege and an honour. Without her, I wouldn't be who I am today and where I am today. And it's with her patience that I continue to do this, sometimes testing that patience, my love. Uh huh. <laughs> However, I think that she has seen, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, sweetie, the why I do this and some of the reasons behind it. Would you agree with that? Or Absolutely. I fully support you. Yeah. <laughs> and we really appreciate that from all the listeners around the globe who are who have been and will continue to be on this journey with us. I'm not sure about the music for this one. I know my beautiful wife had some suggestions, so we'll have a look at those and it'll be as much of a surprise to you as it is to me. Obviously, unlocking the code on Instagram, Facebook. That's it for me, guys. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Be cool. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Can't do much about the government's policies. Can't do much about the heresies. Can't do too much to stop the squeeze on society. When you're all out of touch, you can't have much to say. We can put a man on the moon, but we can't find a cure for starvation. Everybody's passing the buck, and there's no realization. Will any life be impossible? But there ain't no harm in trying. Say life being impossible, but I'm gonna die trying. You can't do much about the birth of a new age. Can't do much about the old days. Can't do much about the equal and opposite reaction. Can't do much about that satisfaction. I don't know much about it. I didn't listen too much. There's no use in denying your peace of luck. Will it let be impossible? There ain't no use in hiding. And I say, hey, well, ain't this life being impossible? But I'm gonna die trying. You can't do much about what 
what's gonna happen today And you can't do much about yesterday Can't say much against some angry individual You can't say much against the majority Is there any use shouting about it? G'day everyone, welcome back. It's I'm a bit nervous, which is weird because this is episode 120 or something, because my lovely wife has finally agreed to come on the podcast. How are you, darling? I'm really well. How are you? I, as I say, I'm nervous, you know, and you, you think it's quite funny that I'm nervous, however I am. Uh, and look, the reason you're here tonight is to assist me. I've had a few adventures of late and have got a fair few interesting thoughts about them and I just I was going to rant and we had a discussion about me ranting and you said no mm-hmm. uh, and how about you come on and and help me uh, yep. and I've been trying to get you in here for the last three years it's probably the best it's ever looked so it you is know. it looks really good in here yeah so we're in this instance you are pretty much interviewing me um, obviously we've had multiple conversations off the mic about a lot of the subjects we're going to cover tonight but have a not probably as in depth mm-hmm. and i suppose over to you really where would you like to start what do you want to ask me like you know we've you know we just went and had some sushi we've got a rough idea about what we want to talk about yep uh so where do you want to start where would you like me to start um i suppose really where you think uh, the Australian Stonehenge is and where you think all of the information regarding that is at. I know about the research, you know, you've done for years. I know about um, the people that you've spoken to regarding this. And I'd just like to know what your actual thoughts in terms of collating all of that information, what your actual opinion is of it. You've heard a lot of people's theories, mm. a lot of people who've said they've got evidence. You've seen a lot of evidence. Um just basically where it's at starting at that point yep. because there's other sites in Australia that are of importance as well too and there's a few things I'd like to ask your opinion on um, around that. So if we start with Australia's Stonehenge, I think is probably the best Okay, yeah, place. cool. Uh, so Australia's Stonehenge, the listeners would know, obviously I've spoken to Richard quite a few times. Um, a, a quick good quick plug for him, he has actually written his book and you can get it as an e-book through the Australian Stonehenge website. Um Facebook page and pestestos.com, which is his website. Get on that if you haven't already. Look, as far as Australia's Stonehenge is concerned, there's an interesting perception where, when I spoke to Richard, and I echo that, where it's like either it's. See, one thing I haven't spoken about on the mic so far is that the, when we went down there and I had a, got, got a good chance to look at the paperwork and actually try and 
get my own reasoning behind it is it wasn't just the arc with the the two Celtic crosses. Mm -hmm. There is actually, according to the paperwork, up to seven different sites or seven different stone arrangements were on that site. Right. Um, And that basically, it's interesting, if that is true, if the documentation is to be believed, it is one of the biggest megalithic sites on the planet that has been systematically destroyed. Um, and the, and I suppose that's a larger question. What do I think it was? I'm more. Who do you think built it? Sorry, to interrupt. Who do you think actually built it? What do you think its purpose was to start with? Does it belong uh, to the indigenous Aboriginal origine? people of the culture we know today it's a bit hard to know what to actually refer to that culture because every single word seems to offend someone in some group yes and it's i think just sorry to digress i think it's a real struggle as um a total whitey to know how not to actually offend someone i I actually struggle with that because i've got a i don't care what color you are kind Mm, of attitude absolutely and i want to use the right language so i don't offend people of any culture however i think that there's been a lot of um division there just as just as a sidebar so i don't know what to say so i don't want anyone listening i don't want to offend you look every Um, all the listeners know that we we attempt to be as unoffensive as we can and i suppose to answer your question i think that the representation of the indigenous people now is is far from what it once was far from what it was when the english arrived here uh i think that the people of this land in whatever form they were. And I think there was a couple of different forms. Yes, there was your nomadic indigenous people. However, there's, I've seen a lot of evidence to suggest that they were, did have cultural centers. They did have social centers. They did have permanent structures. They were practicing agriculture. They were doing a version of farming. They were taking care of the land. And it seems to be focused up and down the East coast of Australia, which makes sense because of, the, the climate the climate mm. and how it is um okay so let's just agree here there was definitely genocide of that race oh yeah, yeah. You, you can't actually argue. Well, well no they, they, i want to go into that later as well so sure. it's okay but yeah what yeah. i want to know though before that is um do you actually think they were the first people who settled here that actual culture do you think they were the first people here because i've heard contentions and i've got no evidence either way i have heard that there was another race that were here before the aborigines were here and that they were actually um in this land's not been invaded just once oh look i think have you ever come across that yes yeah i have that there was a because it did sound really far out to me when i yeah there seems to be there seems to be a couple of different um hominin species that have existed here over the indigenous people in the form that they're in now have been here for a a few hundred thousand years i actually probably subscribe to the fact that we potentially came from here as opposed to africa um as in the first humans as in yeah as in it's not an out of africa theory it's actually an out of australia Mm -hmm. theory um you just need to bring that mic a little bit closer sorry tell yeah. Okay, is that better? There you go. Can you okay. hear that in the in the headphones? Yeah, I can. Yeah. You want to be able to hear yourself clearly in the headphones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one because what we need to understand about the people that existed on this land and did so for hundreds of thousands of years potentially 
is they've actually been trading with Europeans, they've been trading with Asians, and they've been trading across the planet. They've actually had their own boats and they actually sailed to their own land as well. There's evidence of a tribe existing in South America that's very similar to ones in Western Australia, and there's actually DNA evidence to support that. I think what we're looking at is the 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 race of humans that existed here for an extended period of time for a large part of that time they were potentially the holders of a deep spiritual knowledge that actually echoed around the globe um that we see evidence of and actually the eclectic collection in this room does have a good representation of that mm. as far as the different types and i think it was just interpretation and locality that was the difference, but the underlying spiritual culture that once existed globally, I think, originated here. I think it's from here. I think Stonehenge was a major part of that. It was a, it was an initiation ceremony. As to when it was built and who built it, who knows? Uh, that's an interesting question. If you are to believe some of the research that Richard's done, um, the, the interpretation that there was multiple crystals that were there that would project images... There's a whole heap of very interesting stuff which which suggests that it was a remnants of or a an advanced civilization in a way that we don't understand. Um, and you know, take for instance, actually, I was I was telling this story to the students today. We we're talking about um, some bits and pieces, and I I remember talking to an uh, an old indigenous man up in Arnland. And I was a lot younger then, and I was curious as to why they didn't invent the wheel. And I thought, you know, I just wanted to ask this guy a question. Because that is something that's bandied about a lot. Oh, you know, with and like we've all heard racist things growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at an age where, you know, we've seen a progression of a lot of, um, you know, racist behaviour is no longer socially acceptable. Whereas no. we had, you know, even, you know, people older than us that were actually actually quite racist in their I suppose the way they spoke about people of, of all cultures whether it was actually indigenous or you know from Asia that was just like a socially acceptable Australian thing 50 years ago which it isn't anymore yes so, yes yeah look there is that so I, think that's, I have heard that you know well they didn't invent the wheel so that's actually a very good question yeah, to ask the, an indigenous I, person yeah. and see what they say what do they say so they said he said two things and he said basically they love going walkabout. They love being connected to the land. Yeah. And it takes yeah, it takes as long as it takes to walk there if you're walking there. Yeah. And it's more about the journey than the destination. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's life, yeah. However, the second thing that he said to me, which I know you'll find very interesting, and I don't know if I've told you this, however, he said that if we need to go to sacred places, mm. there's there's doors in the stones all over Australia. So he said that to you? Yeah, basically you walk in, so we're in the NT, he goes, there's a, a, a cave in Jabiru, and he was just matter of fact. Like it was just this is totally what it is. cool, yeah. Basically walk into a cave in Jabiru, you walk out the other side of the cave, you're in the Grampians. Yeah, right. Um, there is, and Martin tells a story that there's somewhere out uh, west in Queensland where basically you walk this track and then all of a sudden you're in Western Australia. And it's still happening to this day. And apparently the farmers on the other end know about it because they have these random people turn up on their property and they're like, oh, did you pull up at XYZ National Park? And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll come and grab a feed. We'll take you back to your car in the morning because you're 300 kilometres from your car. 
Yeah, right. Um, I 300? Can, yeah. Well, Queensland to Western Australia. It's a bit more than 300 Ks, babe. Could, well, exactly. But yeah. That's, that's like 5,000 Ks. Yeah. Depending on where they come out. That's, yeah. that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. So and is that the sort of theory behind places like Picnic and... Oh, Picnic, Hanging Rock. Hanging Rock. We'll talk about Hanging Rock. Because that's one creepy place. Yep, yep. So obviously I grew up in Victoria. Mm. I know you never got out of the car at Hanging Rock. Hell no. <laughs> however, when you lived down there. However, I played there as a kid. And I remember playing with Emma, uh, my cousin, who's yeah. no longer with us. However, me and her used to play together up there. And I distinctly remember playing in the rocks up there. And you would go in one cave and you'd come out on the other side somewhere. See, uh, that just freaks my beans right out. Like, I just... Yeah. And the thing That's is, though, it's, it's only upon reflection that I think about it, mm. you know, because we used to play up there as kids all the time. Just we just did it. We just did it. And, it, you know, so this, you go in this cave and you come out over here. But if, if I think about the locale of Hanging Rock and where it is, we've skipped somewhere in there. So why isn't this um, information, like especially what Martin's saying, people on the other end in Western Australia, you know, people have gone into a national park in Queensland. Mm. Why isn't this information, like, newsworthy? Because there's a systematic and almost seems deliberate um, misinformation campaign and not only genocide but ongoing destruction and genocide of the Indigenous culture that was here when we came here. Is that also... Oh, definitely. Um, However, is that culture also being eroded from the inside? I think so. Uh, If... The, the issues that I've seen, not only here, and I look, I suppose before I speak in depth about that, I need to clarify here that from, I have uh, Indigenous somewhere along the line, like a quarter, obviously a fair way back ago. Because <laughs> you're pretty freaking white. Yeah, I'm pretty white. However, but there's a black fella in there there's somewhere. There's a black fella in there somewhere. <clears throat> well, I do like going walkabout, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I spent 10 years in the Northern Territory. I played football against uh, six Indigenous tribes in Arnhem Land, spent many hours on the field, you know, blood, sweat and tears with those guys, played hard, uh, but gave no quarter and was not a prick about it. So I actually got invited out to Arnhem Land. I've made traditional spears. I've gone crabbing. I've actually seen places that white men can't go Mm -hmm. in Arnhem Land. Um, So I have a, a... as far as the average Australian goes, I have a very unique set of experiences with the Indigenous culture of this land, not only in the Northern Territory, but up and down the East Coast. Uh, I think there's a misrepresentation of them uh, because of the, the ones that have issues with alcohol and, and the, the Western culture foods that we brought with us. And that was, uh, you know, you've, you've shared with me, that was some of your experiences when you were a kid. You didn't see... Any well, good, any, you know, like... Yeah, my, my the actual first um, black fella I saw mm. was when I was walking through Fortitude Valley on the way to school when I was 16. And unfortunately, they were in the depths of significant addiction and um, yeah. homelessness. Yeah. And that was... So when I hear the stories that you say about that, I think that's a beautiful experience mm. and one that so many white Australians have never had the opportunity. No. And, and it was left out of the education system. Yes. Like we were, we were given a very white version yes. of history. Yes. And this wasn't that long ago. No. We're not that old. No. Yet the we crap. Remember Stonehenge was destroyed in the uh, 40s. Yeah, the crap that we've been told 
is unbelievable. Yeah, the, the levels of bullshit that we've actually been hidden from about uh, our Indigenous brothers and sisters, their levels of advancement, their levels of understanding, their culture, their spirituality, um, it, it seems systematic and deliberate. Uh, yes, the, one of the issues that they have is there is a lot of infighting. There is a lot of... It does seem that way, actually. Like, I've, I've been online recently just on Facebook with this whole big um, thing on the 21st of December this year. Yes. And there's so much catfighting. Like, it's, I've actually taken myself out of groups mm-hmm. and so much catfighting between people who um, it's a it's a blackfella thing and no whitefellas are allowed. And then mm-hmm. you've got a group of people that want blackfella, whitefella. Um, dreaming. That's, dreaming. That's Wirrigin. That's it's the spirit of Wirrigin. However, they fight with someone else. Mm-hmm. People have been full on nasty. Yes. And vicious to each other. And it's like, I've never seen that. No, it's, um, and there is that side of it. It's sad. Um, and look, there is, there is intern. Every every race has their own internal battles, including you know it doesn't matter what color, creed, religion you are. Uh, however, there is deep internal battles, and I think. And look, there's a few controversial things I'll, I'll, I will say, and that this is the first one is that I do wonder how much actual knowledge is left. I do wonder um, because of the genocide of the indigenous race how much of the true knowledge made it through because the english are very thorough at their job oh brutal brutal soldiers that's yeah. why they you know that's why they, they had the british the, empire for a while that's like, why they conquered half the world yeah yeah and, and they were I, not nice about it no and i think they were very effective and I, and I do wonder how much of the true knowledge is actually left and you know whether or not there are things buried in the bush that no one actually knows about. Not even the Indigenous themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, I've had various conversations, obviously since I've been down this rabbit hole with Stonehenge and Gympie and, and the megalithic stuff that exists here in Australia, I've been... Every Indigenous person I talk to, I actually ask them about their history and where they're from and do they know. And 90% of the stuff that I tell them is news to them. Yeah. And, and that's the reality behind it. And it's a sad reality. And I feel very sad about it. Uh, and I think we, we struggle as white Australians uh, for perception of what they've been through and all that sort of stuff. We definitely do. I think that's... I've got no idea. Yeah, and we especially we the stolen generation. Yeah, what happened in the name of God? Yeah, what the Christians did um, to those families—that mm-hmm. is something that kind of trauma mm-hmm. uh, has un- has very, very definitely and and very unfortunately marked that entire culture. Absolutely, and it needs to be healed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I don't However, know what the answer is either. That deep level of trauma just can't be pushed aside no. like it's however five generations down the track yes you've got this in your dna yes you've inherited these terrible stories however you've got to be responsible for getting yourself over it and i think that might be one of the stumbling blocks yes. uh, and not all indigenous people no, definitely not. there are some amazing uh, people out there that are really working for their um their communities and really embracing australia as a nation mm-hmm. no matter what color you are mm-hmm. however man they've got a tough job yeah yeah, they do. They do, and it's, and I suppose with the Stonehenge, it's interesting. The Stonehenge revealing itself. It's interesting, you know, the Gimpy stuff as well. It's interesting. This stuff uh, has revealed itself on a grander scale this year, because of what's going on and the fact that we may need some answers from the past uh, to help us in the present, or to better understand our past to help us in the present, so we can see 
the future a little yeah. bit clearer uh, and have a better understanding of who we are. Because you got under, from what I understand about the Stonehenge site, is it welcomed people from all over the globe? So it wasn't racist? No, not at all. So do you think that the um, Indigenous people across the globe, wherever they may have been, were given by whoever developed these sites, the advanced civilization, custodial duties and told to keep the secret, told to look after the site. Yeah. And unfortunately, because so much of that is passed down through well, verbal, um, you know, there are paintings and things like that. Do you think that's been lost on mass in the Australian Indigenous, indigenous um, culture? I think so. And do you think that there are no secrets to tell? They say it's a secret because you can't know, or do you think there's a secret because they don't know? Column A, column B, I think there probably is some interesting information to be found. So why won't they share it? What's that about? Like, isn't this about the whole growth of the planet? Where it, does that come from? I, well, it probably comes from the, the, that very trauma that we were discussing. But they weren't sharing ago. that information before the trauma? No, because they were being hunted and killed. So, and then before that... There were no white people you share it with. Yeah. So, right. You know. And again, I think that's that's the as much as it is frustrating, and there is a a question of who's worthy of the information. Um, you know, especially the the work we've been doing in Gimpy and all these sorts of things, and some of the conversations I've had. It's like, what makes you worthy? You, you couldn't really get someone pure of intent than I am and then and the other boys that are attached to oh, yeah. the the trips that we've been on. Mm. Everyone is so pure of intent. We, we we're not out for gain. We just wanna know and it's interesting. So what do you want to do with the knowledge? So it, what if someone said to you, I've got the biggest secret about what's going on in Australia. I can tell you about the Stonehenge, but you can't tell a soul. Knowledge is nothing if it isn't shared. That's true, and I'd make you share it with me. <laughs> and I'd probably tell one of my friends. Yeah. No <laughs> Just joking. Knowledge is power, heaven. It's nothing if it isn't shared. But maybe there's a reason it's not being shared. Maybe it might fall into the wrong hands. And you're talking about these power sources, these crystals, and you know that's actually not mainstream media news. However, it's very common in these circles about power crystals, power stones, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So where's that energy come from? Do you think it's intergalactic? Do you think it's, you know, from a different dimension? What's your take on it? Or are you not sure? I think again there's a there's a there's a perspective where everybody could be right. It just depends on timeline. Uh it is in it's I do side with the 780,000 year old theory where you know, it's the one story, the seven, three brothers of Orion chase the seven sisters of the Pallades across the stars to here. Uh, Australite Tektite, we've gone, I've gone into that in great detail in a couple of the episodes. Mm -hmm. So that means that we are modified hominids from an extraterrestrial origin, um, in which case, our, you know, because our bones have got stardust in them. However, I think what also shouldn't be lost is that 780,000 years ago is a long time ago. 70,000 years ago, the population got to under 10,000 global, right, because of a super volcano out of Indonesia. So whatever information that was there before then, 
and I think this is part of the human condition. It's not a it's not a lineal uh, progression. I think there's been ups. I think there's been downs. I definitely think there was an advanced civilization that existed here prior to thirteen thousand years ago, and I think the evidence for that is actually pretty plainly clear and obvious. Mm. Just people don't want to certain traditional Western cultural science doesn't want to admit it. However, it's fast becoming undeniable. Science or religion, really? Yep. Well, it's both. Science is religion. That's this is the thing. Science is a religion. That you think about the white coat, the, the hierarchy. Oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all the same. It's just an you know when religion lost its power, science took its place. Uh, or pseudoscience, depending on how you look at it. Exactly. Exactly. And there's also you know it depends the, on who pays for the study. Exactly. And you know they release the they they do the study and they get ten papers and they release the paper that they see fit for that study to back up whatever findings they find and then, you know if we, if we talk if we just I, I will answer your, your question however if we talk about what the hell is that what was that I don't know anyway that was someone's phone just uh, someone just spoke to us um, yeah I don't know what that was anyway uh so if we talk about science, we talk about one of the things that I was very surprised when, you know, basically, you know, four or five years ago when I started to dig into this stuff pretty in depth, reading a lot of books about it and that sort of stuff is that there is that much overwhelming evidence for this alternate narrative, uh, which, you know, what existed here prior to 13,000 years ago, pyramid cultures, stone builders, there's so much evidence to suggest that it is so much bigger than we can even begin to understand. But people don't want to let go of their own personal narratives. Yeah. If if science was actual what it's supposed to be, when a new narrative or a new paradigm presents itself, it should be analysed and actually taken at, at whatever it is. And if it rewrites history, then that's actually a good thing because it's correcting the error. Mm. However, what I see and is being... It, you know, there's countless amounts of evidence for it, is what I see is scientists not willing to let go of their life's work, the hubris and the arrogance, and they just want to ignore it. Uh, and with the extraterrestrial thing as far as from 780,000 to here, there's been at least 100 either near extension or extinction level events that have happened on this planet within that time period in different versions. Yet we keep popping up. Yeah. We do. We keep. We are. We're. We're surviving. We're. We're like cockroaches. However, uh, some of this advanced race stuff. See, the period from seventy thousand to thirteen thousand years ago. That's the two last major catastrophes. There was some small stuff in between that. However, there would have been places on the planet that would have been pretty much untouched throughout that period of time. Mm. Now, if you think in two hundred years, we went from horsebacks to putting a man on the moon, okay? Well, not even. It's no. like 150 years. We yes. went from horseback to putting a man on the moon. Yeah. Um, what What's someone going to be able to achieve over 43,000 years or 53,000 years? You mm. know, like it, it's... The, the mind boggles as to what advancements could be done. Uh, I think we, we live in a very high level of hubris where we have... You know, and, and and we have witnessed it from when we were born to now. The 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 unbelievable acceleration of technology, 
uh, and everything that's happened. And we, we like to think that we're pretty awesome. However, I, I think that we know nothing. And we, we're not as... We think we're smarter than we are and we're not as smart as we think we are. Yeah. And we're not as open as we think we are because we're mm. very tied to this narrative. And, you know, it even goes back to what happened before city-states and all that sort of stuff. Like, democracy is not that old. The city-state is actually not that old. You know, you go back 3,000 years, which is not... There's, there's a lot of self-contained cities and belief systems. They all existed fine. And and it seems to be, to a fair percentage, fairly egalitarian as well. There, there was a shift somewhere in the past where greed and money and power and, and patriotism, um, well, as far as the patriarchy, the, the male-dominant uh, power struggle, took over. And I think that there was a, a race that existed prior to that that was a bit more egalitarian, probably was more matriarchal as opposed to patriarchal uh, and the systematic destruction and just complete ignorance because it's almost like you could present a thousand pieces of information it seems to some people and they would just well, a lot of this information doesn't make it to the mainstream mm. because it gets quashed before it gets there and it almost seems deliberate because it is against the narrative that they're, run, that they're running that we are currently under. Yeah. Um, as far as who built the Stonehenge and, and was it extraterrestrial origin, all that sort of stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if some point in the past he, the human race got to a, such a level of advancement that they actually left the planet. Mm. And it could very well be us from an earlier time or us from another time or it could be any number of things. I suppose I'm not actually tied to any one idea and I try not to be tied to any one idea because that allows me to be open to the possibilities of whatever it may be. Okay, so do you think that the um, the Stonehenge and, and uh, sites like it could actually have been like interstellar travel, like intergalactic travel do you think they could have been portals to different planets or places or dimensions do you think that's the transport system rather than advanced technology or do you think it's a combination of both sorry sorry just before you answer that question yeah um one thing that fascinates me is there's a i can't never remember this guy's name but he wrote books called the life between lives Mm -hmm. and uh, he was one of the first psychologists mainstream psychologists to come out because he did a lot of regressional work with his um clients um and that people would talk to him about their life between when they died and came back. And mm-hmm. he also had people talk about um, crashing spaceships. Yep. And um, he wrote th- these books were very controversial in the field of psychology and in you know uh, that field at the time. Um, but I've known regressional therapists that have had people go back to spaceships and crashing spaceships. Yep. And these are not drug addicts or fruitcakes or anything yep. that society would like to label. These are genuine recollections yep. um, that has actually occurred en masse, completely independent of culture, yep. background, um, socioeconomic status, all yep. of that stuff. Yeah, and we've discussed a few of those cases on the podcast over the years uh, and they are very interesting. And 
so if we if we if we take a Western science mathematical standpoint, the math suggests that there's up to eleven different dimensions. So why only eleven? Isn't the universe infinite? It depends on which in which dimension. It could be infinite in every direction. Well, couldn't it be infinite in dimensions as well? Could be, absolutely. However, the math, as far as it sits so far, I think they're out to about 11 dimensions. Okay. Now, some of those ones they are creating just to make the math they're doing work. Yeah. Uh, we need to let go. The problem that we have, and we've discussed this a lot in here, is that we, we look at everything through our mechanical Western society lens mm. because that's all we have to look at it through. I think when we talk about technology, uh, we talked about the the portals from Jabiru to the mm. Grampians. That's something that we can't understand. Like, the, what are you doing? You're skipping time. Why are we going there to find out? Well, I'm not going to go there, but like, you know, like in Harry Potter where he puts the bird in the cupboard or the apple in the cupboard. Why don't we throw an apple through there and see what happens? Like, you know, why isn't this being done? Because it would it would highlight a different existence. Like we, even especially this year, more and more people have become more aware of what's going on and and the and the underlying narrative. Unfortunately, the level of bullshit has has accelerated infinitely as well. So it's hard to see through what's real and what's not. That's true. However, as far as stuff like this, I'd imagine that I may have been the first white person to ask him that question. You probably were. And probably no one's asked him since then. Exactly. He's probably not on this mortal coil anymore. Like this was in the 90s. I was a teenager yeah. when I when I had this conversation. Yeah. Uh, and we don't... Because of the trauma, I think, mainly, there's a lot of guilt. Uh, like, they pour a lot of money into it. And money, it seems, in a lot of ways, money's not the answer. In every oh, well, obviously there is some money required. However, I think the whole it's shut up money a lot of the time. It is, and yeah. it's not helping the people it's meant to. No, that's right. And it's that, actually yeah. further destroying their culture. It is. It is. <laughs> and as I say, it's not. It's not just the genocide that took place. It's the ongoing, and there seems to be. Yeah, you know, we talk about, and this is. Yeah, you know, I have talked about this before. However, with you, I want to just to give you a greater picture. Is, is Captain Cook was not just your average ship captain. His crew was not just your average ship crew. They were part of the high aristocracy of Britain at the time, or the, the Commonwealth at the time. And I would wager that he didn't just find these places. I would wager that he had maps and that he actually sailed directly to Australia or directly to wherever he was going. So where do you think they got the maps from? The m- and just one more question too. Mm-hmm. When the British came, okay, so they come and they give people free land, people who eventually want to settle here. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, you find anything of significance on your land, mm-hmm. you better destroy it, otherwise you lose your land. Mm-hmm. So they incentivized people that were really like on a nine-month trip, they could not have... In some cases, people didn't survive it. What what a hell of a thing! Whatever the hell they were leaving over Mm. there in Ireland, England, Scotland, was obviously enough for them to get on a ship and come out here and hope for a better life for them and their families. So, of course, you're dealing with people who are vulnerable, who Mm. are have no money, Mm -hmm. have left their family well behind, Mm -hmm. 
And so the incentive is strongly there to destroy all of these ancient landmarks. My question is, do you think the British knew that they existed? Absolutely. To start with? Absolutely. And, and they you, knew their power? Absolutely. And they were concerned by that? Absolutely. And made sure it was all desecrated? Yeah, absolutely, I think. And it was done in that fashion. So how the British find out about it? How'd they know? Where'd they get the information from? What, you seriously think they just burnt the Library of Alexandria to the ground? You think there's nothing left? So you reckon that's where the info came from? I think somewhere along the way. Something along that, like the, one of the grander picture things that uh, is I'm, I'm forming and I have sort of articulated, tried to articulate some of it to you is I actually see a narrative that goes back 10,000 years maybe or 5,000 years. Like you think about Troy, you know, Romans, British, uh, Spanish, these different empires that uh, rose and ruled the globe in certain forms that have basically the end goal is, is what has given us the Western society that we currently exist in today. I think the there's there, there's a narrative there that goes back thousands of years that has been primarily a systematic destruction of this previous culture. And I think the Australia was left behind and because, look, I think, I did a podcast the while ago, Double Impact, where there's a, a significant amount of evidence that a, a meteor a double asteroids hit in the Gulf of Carpentaria. Yeah. And, you know, that would have wiped out most of the population in Arnhem Land. I think Australia got left behind maybe after the last cataclysm because, again, we, we don't understand what happened 13,000 years ago. None of us have any idea what actually happened. Yeah. Um, continent-wide wildfires 400 foot level sea level rises so to recover from that i think there would have been maps or remnants of maps because everyone and and, and the seagoing civilizations i think there's always been a seagoing civilization you know you talk about the chinese up to 400 years ago the chinese were roaming the oceans in ships four times the size of the spanish galleons yeah giving stuff away mm. And then one of their emperors decided, no, no, that's it. We don't do it anymore. And that's the China we have today, yeah. an evolution of that. So there's always been a seagoing race. There's always been trade on a global scale. You know, we, there's there's Roman coins that have been found here. There's Viking stuff that's been found here. There's evidence of trade with Asians, with Europeans. That You know, the Dutch apparently came here before the British. Well, they did, yeah. Yeah. Later in Western Australia. Yeah, so it's... On record. On record. Right. So going back to um, the Stonehenge and Gimpy Pyramid. Yep. So um, we'll move on to the Gimpy Pyramid now because that's evidence of what you're saying. The architecture there is actually very similar to South American yes. style yes. architecture. So that's yes. actually quite evident that they may have visited here at some point Absolutely. or other. Yeah, um, which would make sense because it's just like getting a boat and go west. Mm -hmm. And don't stop. And yeah. don't stop until you find land. Like yeah. you've got to find something. Mm -hmm. Um, sorry, Flatlanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, We're not Flat Earthers around here. Oh, Flat like Earthers, not Flatlanders. Um, yeah, so that's actually also very distinctly different in terms of architecture from what's found in other parts of Australia, and it's I don't understand... It's very unique. It's very unique. The the polygonal masonry wall that is said to be from Jakikundu or the Gimpy Pyramid site is very unique, and I think it lends to... What what I'm trying to articulate and explain and, and get across to the listeners and, and, and yourself is that 
the world that was is so different to the world that we've been told was that mm. it's hard to grasp, okay? Oh, no, I think we get that. It, it You know, the, the Egyptians... <laughs> <laughs> Made you laugh. The Egyptians, the South Americans, the, the Vikings, the, the probably the, the, the Mediterraneans, everybody came here to learn. Yeah, right. Okay? Everybody came here to get... Uh, spiritual knowledge given to them, maybe how to work the land, maybe how to to get a greater understanding of the world that we exist in. Now, why were the Indigenous Australians the custodians of this? It could be that it does throw back all the way to the Palladians, and this is actually where we're from in the start, right? The Egyptians talk about a great land to the south. Uh, there's, there's quite clear uh, hieroglyphic artwork that depicts what looks like an indigenous Australian uh, with the flat nose and all that sort of stuff. As an Egyptian queen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's also, there's every, you know, there's a question around the reason that the nose of the Sphinx was cut off is because it was a flat nose. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is too, even with the glyphs down in Coffs Harbour, um, how come that is not, I didn't even know about that until yeah. I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Because it was shot down as a joke. Uh, in the 60s and basically what people don't understand is that archaeology itself has only been a recognized field of study since the 20s. 1920s. Is that so? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Before that, it was rich people digging around looking for treasure. Yeah, right. Okay. Archaeology as a field of study, it, it was didn't not even... Exist. Didn't exist until the 1920s. Wow, okay. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. And... Our understanding of Egyptian hieroglyphs, if we talk about the Egypt, didn't come until we got that over there, which is the Rosetta, Rosetta Stone. Stone. Yeah. And it wasn't actually translated properly. Our modern understanding of hieroglyphics is only came to us in the 50s, right? Like 70 years ago. Okay? It's not that long ago. Mm. And the, the story was that some soldier that was in World War II came back and went to a university and learned a bit and then decided as a goof to write a story about a ship crashing and people dying and stuff, right? It doesn't... The, 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 and this is, we talk again about misdirection. The misdirection and the... Oh, no, no, that's just bullshit. Uh, attitude that has been adopted by a lot of Australians because, you know, you got to remember we both, when we were children... Politicians, you could believe the politicians, the church had power, you know what I mean? These institutions, we actually really, to a degree, mm. used to listen to them. We don't anymore. We, mm. However, there was a and time... And if not downright criminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and worse. Mm. Um, so, but there was a time after World War Two. It was gospel. It was gospel. They said it was crap, it was crap. Yeah, and everyone believed it. And everyone believed it. Yeah. And and there's also a lot of bigamy as well too. Even if you go into um, religion and um, you know just all general thoughts, like you know if you you're brought up a certain way, this is how you think. You're either a labor a labor supporter or you're a liberal national supporter. Yep. You're either Protestant. If you're looking at Australian culture, Protestant Catholic. Yep. This is before much immigration started. Mm-hmm. Um, any immigrants were seen as downright weird, like mm-hmm. things we eat. Basically, at least once a fortnight in our house, like spaghetti bowl, mm-hmm. was unheard of in Australia. And any Italians coming out here cooking pasta were like 
almost ostracised. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and you know, mum and dad has told us that's told me that story where mum was trying was preparing dad spaghetti, and dad didn't know it was taking so long because he just put it in a tin, a tin, and heated it up. But mum was actually making spaghetti because she's from the Mediterranean, mm. and that's an example of the food there where dad grew up. Spaghetti came in a tin. And that was only a new thing. That wasn't actually a, you know, it was steak and three veg. There was very much a, uh, a na- the narrative that's been running in Australia, because we're so far away and yet so really under the influence of the Crown as well uh, and the Commonwealth to a, to a point. Oh, definitely culturally, yeah. Yeah, culturally, that it was gospel. Like this stuff. Do you think a lot of that stuff, though, came um, from being involved in World War II, um, I often heard my grandparents talk about what happened to them. Do you think that as an Australian, as a, an Australian culture, that trauma of World War II dictated those belief systems because they had to click, you know, cling to something? Yes. So they clung to their religion, whether they're Anglican, Catholic, you know, the crazy renegade Methodists, mm-hmm. um, and they clung to a certain methodology of thinking and followed what the government said because yeah. at the end of the day, the government had kept them safe because mm-hmm. there was no invasion in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were to be believed. Well, 200 diggers stopped them on the track, but yeah. You know, the, there was a, a huge amount of propaganda surrounding World War Two. obviously. Look, I think it, it is a little bit of a diversion. However, it does it need is a little. to be... It's okay because it does need to be spoken about. Um, Where I, that line of thinking comes yeah, from. Yeah, because, well... We, again, it's another thing that we cannot fathom what happened in World War II. No. Uh, some of the Dan Carlin uh, podcasts, he does hardcore history and he's been doing the Pacific War and he was talking about the Pacific War, which obviously Australia was very heavily involved in along with the Americans mm. and the seas of bodies and just the unbelievable horrors that those boys saw mm. and the nurses for that matter as oh, yeah. well. And we can't even fathom it, and it's looked upon now as the good war. However, the the level of blood and and trauma and unbelievable things that those people saw, which not only did they create Australia, they created the modern world that we exist in today. Yeah, you know, and that level of trauma was global. Yeah, and we can't understand the blood and the body pieces and the just the. Just, the excuse me, the way that Dan Carlin tells his stories, he's, he's very matter of fact. However, it's just like he was saying that he goes, we don't understand. Like I think in total, in the propaganda videos in America, there was two videos that showed dead U.S. servicemen. Yet, if you read the battle reports, they couldn't get into some of these islands in the Pacific for the bodies. Yeah, and and. What is what does that do to someone's mind, yeah. right? And there was no PTSD. That was harden up and get over it, basically. For some of these guys, though, were having um, night terrors. Absolutely. The rest of their lives. Yeah. You know that was our grand our grandparents. Absolutely, it was. Um, but yeah, a lot of the I remember reading something particularly horrifying with regards to that, with all of the bodies, but also the shark feeding frenzies yep. Yep. that they witnessed as well too. Yep. And if um, the boat was sunk you basically hoped that you had been killed in the explosion because you didn't want to be savaged by a shark. Yeah. And that is not taught in history. They, they no. do very much teach you um, a very glorified 
history mm-hmm. um, at school with regards to that. Anyway, we, get, we got off track. Let's get back on track. So we're going back to the Gympie Pyramid mm-hmm. and your experience actually around that mm-hmm. um, as a, I guess, your discoveries around that and I guess you wanting to piece together this knowledge that you've been speaking about mm-hmm. over across a lot of podcasts and a lot of research and mm-hmm. you've spoken to a lot of people and mm-hmm. you have had the a genuine and authentic experience with um, Indigenous people mm-hmm. and accepted into their tribe in the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. So you are in a bit of an, an unusual situation. Like, a lot, as we said, a lot of white people in Australia have not had the experience that you've had with regards to this. Mm-hmm. And so what was your main purpose in sort of wanting to find out about the Gympie Pyramid? Was it to protect it? Was it to get to know the people who were the custodians? you know, to see if there was any sort of spiritual significance to it or to unlock a... What was your main reason behind that? Was it like Indiana Jonesing? <laughs> uh, to a point, I I see myself as an explorer. And whether that is exploring thought processes, whether that's exploring ideas whether that's truly exploring the land, uh, I see myself as an explorer. Whilst I have great respect and understanding and as much as, and, and again, like you said, more than vast majority of white Australians, I actually know a lot more. I still don't side necessarily all the way with the Indigenous or with anybody Okay, I just wanted to find out what was there. I wanted to look at it from an objective point of view and an objective understanding and just to unlock the code, just to see what was there because it it had kept blipping on my radar about the Gympie Pyramid. Then I found out it was still there. Um, You know, and me and Woody have spoken about that. However, as far as the experience goes with the people associated with the Gympie Pyramid, it's actually been a very enlightening experience on a lot of levels uh disappointing on some levels um frustrating on some levels okay so how was it enlightening there is something there so what do you think sir what's your feeling i think it was a sacred place i think it was it was originally i get and this is just me uh, these are my thoughts and the, the boys can echo whatever they, they, their thoughts are However, I, I wonder whether it was almost a like a peacemaker I think it was a healing place if we are to believe that the so there was no bad juju there not to start with not to start with I think it was a gift I think it was a healing place you know we've got to remember the amount of gold that's found around the area of Gympie and that's always been a, a, a treasured substance through Wasn't some that why cultures. Wasn't the Egyptians went there for the gold? Well, I think the Egyptians came here for spirituality. However, as a sidebar, they found gold. <laughs> um, uh, there's gold in Tutankhamun's tomb that came from Gympie. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting. Do you think... Because there is evidence, obviously, of the Egyptians down at Coffs Harbour. Do you mm-hmm. think they may have actually travelled 
along the eastern coast of Australia and made a few stops. It makes sense. So do you think they traded with the local people there? Yeah, for sure. I think think there was a lot of trade that was done. I think there was a lot of trade that was done. I think there was multiple cultures that traded with the people here for countless generations. And I think it was just a done thing. They were just, they were the people of this land. We would have had things that they don't have. They had things that we didn't have. Like trade goes on technically to this day without greed and money. So when do you think people became assholes? Do you think that was after the 13,000 years ago? Do you think perhaps maybe a different alien culture came here that were assholes whereas before they were the nice guys everyone's trading and happy happy and then there was some kind of cataclysm Mm. and then i don't think it happened directly after the cataclysm i think it happened i was to put a number on it maybe five six seven thousand years ago somewhere in there um where and the thing is the earth has been through many dynamic changes in the last 10,000 years and that's what we everyone forgets that we're on a giant big blue ball that's hurtling through space at 2,000 k's uh, an hour or a, a day and it does its own thing and maybe after the cataclysm people were trying to rebuild I would say once people got to a certain level they came back here to try and learn who survived the cataclysm down here that's an interesting question uh, the the story of the cataclysm is pretty consistent regardless of the culture, creed, religion. There is prior knowledge. So what's our indigenous story of the cataclysm or is that part of the secret? No, it's the flood myth. It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's many rock art depictions of rocks coming from the sky. Mm. Uh, however, it's the, it's pretty much the same thing, is that there was a big flood coming. Uh, the old fella told the other fellas to get up the hill. Basically, yeah, right. which is the same story. It's the ark. It's the okay. So, what about after that? What do the indigenous stories tell us after that cataclysm, or is that part of the secret? It's broken. The line. The it's, I don't have that knowledge. Um, I haven't. So, do you think the indigenous people have that knowledge? Because technically, well, according to Australian history books, they've been here forty thousand years at least. Then it keeps going up. Like we were taught forty thousand years when we were at school. It's at one hundred and sixty. Yeah. So it's gone up and gone up and gone up. So. They were here when that happened. Mm-hmm. They survived that happening. Mm-hmm. So Australia, what happened after that happened? Is anyone, does anyone in the Indigenous landscape have that knowledge? Again, or have they shared it? Or again, is it- what has to be taken into account is the level of genocide. And I think... When white... When the white Australians When British came. invaded yeah. Australia. Yeah. yeah. We, so you reckon that the British pretty much just wiped, along with all of the ancient megaliths, mm-hmm. with that, with their systematic destruction mm-hmm. of indigenous communities, they wiped out that knowledge as well. Yeah, there would have been. I think so. If you think from a convict perspective, okay. So when they were the convicts here, uh, then they the British had total control. There wasn't always free settlers here to start with. Oh, not to start with. Uh, so, before the free settlers start arriving, what did they do before then? Because the, the the story goes that the reason that Captain Cook could communicate with the indigenous people is he could speak the language of the symbols. Yeah. And because he could speak the language of the symbols, and the indigenous people of the time, they had this story that their ancestors were white or to have like the, right. the, the some of the tribes used to collect a white fella yeah right because they wanted to they yeah. thought it was they were probably the remnants of a freer people 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm. they, they, they may not have been as, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not Cook, it's um, Columbus where it's like there's a diary entries of Columbus somewhere in Hawaii or something like that. And it's like they're the most beautiful people in the world. They're so sharing. They're so giving. This is paradise. We could kill them all with one ship. That's just horrifying. Yeah, that's his diary entry. That is horrifying. And then they basically did. did. And Captain Cook was of that. He, he was this, you know, Columbus and Cook, they were sister ships. Like that was all the same. It well, was all well, different, time different times, periods, but, but that's the same aristocracy. The same it's the same attitude. Attitude, yeah. Mm. Sorry, hundreds of years apart. I should have said that. However, uh, same, same, same. Yeah. Same, same. Same idea. Yeah. So if these people came as and the, and the English were known for doing this, come as friends initially. Yeah. And then, oh, show like, us all your secrets. Show us everything. Show us everything. Then we'll just kill you. Then we'll just kill you and take it. And terribly, yeah. like terribly. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, they did that to the um, Native American Indians as well, too. Yeah. And you know, the blankets the... with the smallpox. Like, that is sick. Yeah. That is some sick stuff. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And this is the, this is one of the, 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 the bigger ideas that's outside of this megalith stuff that's sort of come to me is that the, the modern Western society is built on lies and blood and on a, mm. on, on a, and, and not on a small scale, on a, fucking vast actually bit mind numbing and, and not really sure how to process it type scale yeah and well, hmm. the history that once existed not only here but in america in south america with you know the spanish took care of that uh india the, the list goes on and we are now trying to pick up the pieces of the remnants of what is left behind, which is not much. Well, are we really, though? Like, there are certain people out there, like you and your cronies, you mm-hmm. know, and I say your cronies is in all the, the like-minded people that Oh, yeah, you we're interview. cronies. It's okay. <laughs> totally cronies. Yeah, it's okay. See them. Um, <laughs> hey, you, they, they, these guys don't need to see them. They know them. <laughs> um, I say that with love and affection. Um, however, really, if you look at modern society – I suppose there's, there's hope because there's a growing number of people that actually do care. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where the hope lies. Mm-hmm. However, there's also got to be some, um, I suppose, moving forward from all of these traumas mm-hmm. from all cultures. Yeah. So that at some point, every culture stands up and goes, I'm no. not going to be Enough. a motherfucking victim anymore. Yep. Enough, yep. I'm actually going to help solve the problems of my culture. And I kind of feel like that might be where the indigenous culture of Australia is today. And I know there are a lot of indigenous people who are trying to be leaders of their people Mm -hmm. and they are shot down Mm -hmm. unbelievably, Uh, especially the um, Aboriginal women who stand up. Um, There is a a young lady who's a member of parliament out near um, Alice Springs Mm -hmm. and her name's Jacinta. And I can't pronounce her surname, so I'm not going to be offensive about it. However, um, I follow her page and she has got... She'd be a great person for you to interview on the podcast, actually. Um, She really has a big heart and she's got the right idea Mm -hmm. and very brave. Like, Mm -hmm. I read some of her posts and she talks about how dreadfully abused she is 
by men in her culture. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and how she's Which told all these terrible things. As like, far as we understand it, the Indigenous culture was actually matriarchal. Well, not apparently at the moment in no. the middle of Australia. No. Um, if what she says is anything to go by. And it's the imbalance. It's um, the imbalance. Yeah, it's... it's um, it's a hard one to crack because I think when something is uh, culture is so secular and they do say pretty much fuck off white people, um, apart from the people who are wanting to do the black fella, white fella dreaming, yeah. which I think is a really positive way forward, but those people are completely um, abused and ostracized and there's a big problem there. There's a big problem. There's a big problem. Look, you, you could argue that there's a problem globally that we need to get over ourselves a little bit. Um you know, and again, it's hard not denigrating any of the atrocities that have taken place, not only here, however, around the globe, yet at the same time, we must seriously think about what we want to do as not only as humans, but as the human race, you know, and, and there's pointless arguments. You could talk about the fact that there's more slaves now than there actually ever has been. Um, and every single culture, doesn't matter who they are, has been in, has been enslaved at some point or another. Well, that's true. But I think too, globally, there's also, I think people need to take care of the land they live on. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what colour, creed, race, religion you are. I think the land you live on is the best that you can do to try and make a difference. Like there's no point us trying to make a difference living in Australia trying to solve the problems of America. Yeah, you've got to to tidy up your own backyard first. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people in the world, though, who want to do that. Mm. You know, there are Americans who want to see things better. There are, you know, British people, Irish people. There's more and more. There's more and more every day. However, the problem is, is that we live in a society that is designed to disconnect us as much as we possibly can be from the planet that we actually live on, that it gives us everything. And So is that because too few have too much power? Yeah, absolutely. And they all want to die the richest? Yep, absolutely. He who dies with the most toys wins. Uh, yeah, look, you know, you talk about egalitarian and, and potentially matriarchal societies. You know, the, Egypt seems to have existed in an egalitarian state for quite a while. But uh, it was also a very significant caste system. So people were born into certain areas. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think people glorify Egypt a bit. I think it was a bit of a shithole. <laughs> You know, I think that um, at certain stages, not at all stages, oh, however... Everywhere's a shithole, depending on the time frame. You know, pardon my language. It's however, okay. um, I think that it's glorified, you know, like, you know, everyone wants to think that they were Cleopatra in a past life. It's that kind of thing, whereas yes. it's, it wasn't that yeah, pretty. Every, everybody was the Roman general in yeah. the past life, yeah. It wasn't that pretty, and people were born into a certain station, and they accepted it, and they did that. So, you know, you look at the pharaohs and people like that, they actually were supported and walked on the backs of tens of thousands of people in their local area. But not always. This is, and this is, the, this is what I'm... That's true. Well, I, the same could be said for any ruler. Absolutely. Not always. And it I, depends I think on what dynasty. It depends on what dynasty. And again, we are talking about a, uh, time. That's true. That's you know, all very true. We are talking about time. And I think one of the issues that we have with all of this megalith stuff and all of this ancient past stuff is I think the timeline is wrong. Yeah, and I, I don't agree. think it's wrong by a little bit. I think it's wrong by a lot. Um, it's carbon, totally rooted. Yeah, carbon dating is actually not an accurate form of measurement, very at all. And very the, at all. 
Very at all. Really yeah. at all? Really at all. Whatever. <laughs> a big bit at all? A big bit. <laughs> it's, good England, it's good England there. Uh, Sorry. It's, it's, it's so... F- because we are dealing with just remnants. Like you talk about this, all the research that I've done, and it's not just here in Australia, it's globally, to try and put the jigsaw together, like just to try and join the dots. So do you really think you can dots. though, honey? Like do you really think you can? Are you looking for the pot of gold and the leprechaun at the end of the rainbow that's been destroyed a long time before your existence? Like do you think it's actually possible to come up with a – a theory of what a resemblance of true world history would look like because it's a great and noble idea. Mm. However, look at the education systems. Like really does it come right back to you can only really change yourself and educate those around you? Yes. Like, you know, okay, send your kids to school but tell them what your truth is. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, yes, I suppose – that this research that I do, it's something, and this podcast, it's something that I have to do. It's not like, and you've seen firsthand the times that I've dropped the podcast and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I have in, in, the, in the years that it's been going. And... I always pick it back up again and I always, and I never stop looking, I never stop reading, I never stop searching. It's also from a lot of support from your loving wife. Absolutely it is. Yeah, Behind every good man, there's an even better woman telling you what to do and you guys are finally <laughs> meeting mine. <laughs> <laughs> you are within throwing distance. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, that was probably a bit of a high-pitched <coughs> cackle to record. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, however, it's I can understand why you would ask that question. Yeah, and I have asked myself that question. I'm not saying it's pointless. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's pointless. However, I just wonder. I suppose bringing this right back to your experience with the Gimpy Pyramid that I know about from what you've told me. Yeah, and the indigenous people there. Um, and how disheartening that was at the end of the day to have gone in with very and look, I, I know. People say I'm biased. Yeah, I'm biased to a point. However, I wouldn't I, I know you were altruistic in your motives. Mm. I know you weren't there seeking a you know, a pot of gold. No. I know you were there um, to support the local culture and support the local people and not upset the balance of anything, yeah. not upset anyone, certainly not take anything, like you're not you're not a thief. No. Um, so all of that I can absolutely hundred percent vouch for. Um and what you seem to have found was people who were unwilling to part with any kind of information that would lead to other information that would help you actually preserve the site. And then you found out that um, the actual site of the Gimpy Pyramid was not even part of where the freeway was coming through. Tell that story because I think that's an important story. Yeah. Uh, look, the, 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 yes, the freeway is going to skirt both sides of the Gympie Pyramid. However, there's a couple of different factions up there that have been negotiating for that and we were helping out one of them. And what came out through the research is that the the actual Jaki Kundu, the ridge, the rocky ridge itself, will be left alone. Uh, And it was actually diverted so it can be left alone to a large degree. 
Is there going to be peripheral damage around that site? Of course there is. There's so what areas are being peripherally damaged? Is it something that... It, it'll depend. Looks- it'll be. It'll depend on where they take the dozers through, Dylan. I don't know. Um, it's looking because the thing is. The, so why the, the, couldn't they? Sorry to interrupt. I don't understand if this is sacred land. If the local so-called and perhaps self-declared Aboriginal elders have said this is a sacred site, why? Why is because, it still being because built there's on? infighting? Because there's infighting. Infighting because, between who? Uh, the Gubby Gubby and the Carby. So the, between the Kabi Kabi or the Gubby, it depends on which way you look at it. Right. So be, with, you're saying there's infighting in the Indigenous yeah. Um, yeah. Some, scenario there? According to the Queensland Government, they have negotiated with the people of that land and they've actually diverted the highway to a point where it goes, technically we'll go around the ridge because it would be a hell of a thing to actually go straight through it even just from a logistical perspective yeah. to build a road. Because there's water there and everything, yeah. isn't there? There's like a... Is it yeah, like there's, a, a, there's a dam a down there behind the corner and stuff like that. So it would be quite difficult logistically to even do that and cost prohibitive if you look at it from a Western mindset. So the section you were looking at, is that safe? As far as... as far as far The thing is, is that they give you... You get look on the TMR website and it gives you a nice pretty picture of... Uh, Gimpy Pyramid, Jucky Kundu in the middle, and like a V of roads going around it. That's the main roads website? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. And I know, being in construction and logistics for so long, is that there's a long way between <laughs> the nice pretty road and what it will look It'll like actually look like, yeah. Um, so do you think that the um, they have like legitimate concerns, the Indigenous people there? I think so, to a point. I suppose for me, if I'm completely honest, and one of the reasons you're here is so I could be completely honest about this, is I think there's a lot of fear there. There's an interesting story that surrounds the Gympie Pyramid. However, considering the amount of resource they've dedicated to paperwork in courts and stuff like that, why you wouldn't dedicate... I mean, you know, you know better than anyone the the resources that I've dedicated to it, yep. time and money and all the things that I've done yep. personally um, to try and help. Help, yep. Um, why they wouldn't have invested some of that money? Because the thing is, they're making some invested extraordinary the money in claims. In, to, they're making some extraordinary claims about the Gympie Pyramid on how important it is. Mm-hmm. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. That's and true. So what are the claims they're making? Give us some... Well, potentially that there's something underneath there. Like what? There's, there's a power source of some description underneath there. Okay. Um, there is some LIDAR images to suggest to that fact. However, I've only seen those once. Um, and there's technically tunnels all underneath there. So why aren't they investing? What... Well, it's Why? too late now. Like, I think they're, they're, they're breaking ground. TMR's breaking ground in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but they've had people come to them. And you're not the first one that the Gympie Pyramid has caught the attention of. No, definitely not. There's been a lot of papers written. There's well, why, been... why we were there, that in the, the three or four times that I've been there, literally people out of the blue pretty much every time come looking for it. Yeah. Just... But I'm talking about the people who've actually, like, academics that yeah. have devoted, they've written books, they've done this, they've done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't there been, like, why haven't those uh, people who own the land done the investigations? Well, 
the the story goes that the guy who used to own the land that backed on to the Gympie Pyramid only gave up ownership of that land in the last 30 years or so. Okay. Uh, and basically, he personally bulldozed the last of the Standing Stones uh, and, right. tried, and tried to push them over the edge. Uh, there were Standing Stones up there as late as 54 or 64, I can't mm. remember. Shame uh, he didn't go on the portal. Well, he didn't. The, the land took care of him. Um, well, that's good to know. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Okay, so fast forward. Okay, that happened 30 years ago. Fast forward to today, mm-hmm. you would not have been, you and your cronies would not have been the first people to turn up there and go, listen, we want to help. Yeah. We'll actually personally fund this. Mm. Coming well, from a place of like, you know, no one's got millions of bucks here. No. However, you guys, and you wouldn't be the only group of people that had done that. Mm. Over Yet, the years, no. Mm. You know, what you found was... Not a lot. Not a lot, but you also weren't given anything and you actually sent down a lot of bloody little rabbit warrens that came to dead ends for, yes. for no reason. And yeah. why? Why do you think? I think it's fear. I, I honestly think that. Fear of what? Fear that it's not true. So they don't have the secrets. They yeah. say they've got the secrets, but they don't have the secrets in that case. Well, they've got a story. And where'd the story come from? Somewhere. I don't know where the story came from. I was not privy to that information, but I think there's, it's fear that what they think is there actually isn't there. And if, and it's another one of those scenarios where if they actually dug a big deep hole, got into the caves, even if they just, and I, I mean, and I'll be honest and you know, and I discussed this with you and the boys, we decided that, you know, in an ideal world where we got in the caves and there was something there, we weren't going to tell anyone until we were allowed to tell someone. Absolutely. Like we were going to respect that. Yeah. It's not like we were going to run to the nearest paper and say this is what we found. We weren't going to do that. No, we, you wouldn't have done that at all. We would not have done that at all. Um, however, I, I honestly I'm believe... I'm pretty sure it would have taken you a couple of weeks to spill it to me. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, I... Sorry, what was the answer to that? No, I would have told you straight away, darling. <laughs> you can even... <laughs> Tell your lie through the microphone. That's your lying voice. Yeah. Anyway. However, my feeling on it is that there's fear that it's not true. So, you've been there. Mm -hmm. You've taken people that have got um, a lot of spiritual intuition there, Mm -hmm. as well as people that don't. Mm -hmm. You know, a broad spectrum Mm -hmm. of um, bloke. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all very open-minded, though. Yep. Like, with regards to what you're going to find, there was no preconceived ideas. No. We were, we were very realistic the entire, and, and in every instance that we ventured up there. Uh, the... But, what, sorry to interrupt, what I'm getting to is that all of those people said there was definitely a feeling up there. hmm There's something so, there. There's something there. And this is from guys who are very uh, open um, intuitively, right, to guys that really don't access that part of themselves at this stage yet a lot. Mm-hmm. So... And you're all white fellas, mm-hmm. or with, you know, some of you got a bit of black fellow in your way back. Yeah. Um, if you guys can feel it, surely the indigenous people who own the land would be sure mm. and would not be operating out of fear. Like, I find that a real contradiction in terms. Like, But I think they operate from a place of fear. Is that coming back from to the trauma? To the trauma, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that. And... 
Because, yeah, I mean, I, I have a brief understanding and not a very detailed understanding of, of what it takes to prepare some of those court documents that I know have been submitted. And it costs the money, a fortune. It, it costs a fortune. And it costs, you know... But do they entitle to legal aid? They I, may be actually entitled to a lot of free I, I, I don't uh, legal know. I don't stuff. know. Um, I, I'm not aware of that. However, even if whoever it was was to go and get their excavator ticket, pay for that, pay to hire an excavator for a weekend or whatever it is and just dig a bloody big hole, hmm. get into the cave system if it exists, and I will say if because I don't know, uh, retrieve whatever is there, because the idea is basically that if they destroy that and they disturb whatever is under there, cataclysm will rain down, basically. That's the... That's the story. That's the story. So what about the... Masonry? Like, where does that fit into this picture? Is that around this alleged... No, well, the, the, the masonry exists outside the Gympie Church. In yeah, but doesn't it reflect... Aren't those stones... From there? Well, aren't there similar stones still at the site? No. Uh, no. No. There is evidence of stone that has been cut. Uh, there is evidence of walls or what would have may have been backings of the walls where the, the actual masonry would sit. So like the the, the uh, terraces yep. that the wall, the, the polygonal wall would have sat up against. Uh, so the backing to that. Uh, there's three or four terraces going up the ridge. There is uh, probably the most interesting thing for me is the what I'm calling the preparation stone, which I might actually post some photos of um, because it doesn't really matter anymore um, realistically. So that was evidence that I could see of, because there's a, th and you'll actually like this, there's apparently a formula that I'm trying to f find and figure out that you combine... XYZ plants, it creates an acid that will cut stone. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, possible. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I'd I'm, like that formula. I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My little bush flower lady <laughs> over there. <laughs> However, yeah, there is, and I found a stone that basically, to me, was a preparation stone where they actually, you could see where they prepared it, you could see where they sharpened the tool, and you could actually see where they test cut a corner of that rock. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. There's a lot of grind marks where they would have sharpened stuff. I think, again, we're looking at a site, again, timeline, time, time, time. So was it used a number of times over a number of – it could have been used for thousands of years for different things. Tens Is that the reality? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, if I was to guess the height of the indigenous culture and the global spiritual culture and all the things that would have happened, I would guess that it was prior to 13,000 years ago. I think it may have been part of the global culture that existed back then, which shows evidence of being a little bit more advanced and a little bit more understanding of the planet. And again, Australia would have been the least affected. And I do have a theory about where... Some well, what of the, about the double impact in the Gulf yeah, well, of Carpentaria? Yeah, when only, did that happen? That was only a thousand years ago. Oh, right. 1,500 years ago. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't long ago at all. Okay. And, this is, and, and that's another... Un, we... we because we've spent the last 200 years being fucking awesome, we we don't understand how dynamic this planet is. We don't understand our place in the cosmos because we've lost that. Mm. So are the aliens coming back to remind us on the 21st of December this year? 
<laughs> that is the big question. Dun, dun, dun. It seems to be this, that, it the seems general to consensus. Be the unavoidable question about the, in any podcast we do. <laughs> it's all about the aliens. It is, or it seems to be. Uh, I'm going to give the answer I've given a few times now, and I think I've given it to you off the mic, is that astrologically and uh, from a timing perspective as far as where the solstice lands, what's happening on the solstice, the what's happening in the space above us. Like if we were to walk outside now, we could see four, five, four planets in the sky. The ancient megalithic society would have marked this year. So there's cosmic shit happening. There's cosmic stuff happening. If they were to come, would it surprise me? No. Am I... Like I said, we're not getting a package deal to Alice Springs, are we, darling? So Nope. <laughs> um, we are staying well away from that palaver. But are we going to have our own little ceremony on the 21st? I think we will. Well, it's solstice. Yeah, it's solstice. We do that when we remember anyway, you know, um, because it's important. It's something we've been celebrating for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. But I think the Gympie Pyramid site at its height, probably along with the Australia Stonehenge site at its height, may have been prior to a time that we understand. Gotcha. So with the, um, do you think there's many overlays if these sites have been used for thousands of years, but, you know, over cataclysms and cultural differences and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things, do you think the energetic overlay, because Martin did say that he felt sadness. Yeah, I did too at times, yeah. So do you think that there might have been um, massacres there? Do you think that might have been a site of massacres? Absolutely. It was a defensible spot. Um, So so if you add... Like when the British came is what I'm saying. Could be. Could be when the British came. Could have been before that. Mm. Uh, if you add the ter- if you say you add the polygonal masonry in there and the walls go up there and stuff like that, mm. from a military logistical perspective, it's a defensible a spot. good defense point. Right. So you can imagine. And it's obviously a place of meaning. Yeah. Okay. It obviously meant something. It was obviously a sacred place. We tend to fight over sacred places. Um, destroy them. Destroy oh, them. Yeah. The other thing we tend to do as well is that we do actually build other sacred the newer sacred structures over old sacred structures so would that explain why that uh, masonry work is then outside the church in a way uh, apparently the story goes there was a burial mound a burial mound outside the church as well that once was there for they, uh, aboriginal people yeah yep. uh, what the hell happened to that they destroyed it they destroyed it oh for god's sake with everything else uh, yeah maybe maybe Look, the, the like wall, taking the prize, you know what I mean? Yeah, the wall thing's interesting because the story just peters out. It basically, there is nothing else to the story that we understand apart from it was a depression era project, and that someone donated the wall in its entirety to the church, and it was moved from one place to another. Oh well, so that makes depression. So that makes it non-invasion. Yeah. It was a depression era project to employ people of the region and the wall itself was donated by one of the patrons of the church. So are any of the descendants of these patrons still alive? Like, did they know the families? Yeah, but none of these people, especially from, I suppose, if you think about, again, like we sort of talked a little bit about before, where there was a certain stigma and there was a certain... um, bigotry and racism mm. that was ingrained in Australia for a long time. Still is. Still is. Yeah. Now that that is no longer the norm, anyone that is associated with people who did that want nothing to do with it. Yeah, fair enough. They want nothing to do with it. 
which is again why you know the the people who own the site where the Australian Stonehenge is, they don't want us on the property either. Yeah, right. Because they don't want anything to do with it. Um, how bizarre! Yeah. Like, how cool would it be to have a property that's got Stonehenge on it? The the problem with property in Australia is that it's all private property. You don't have to let anyone on if you. What don't kind of assholes own it? Like seriously, what's wrong with them? the same family that's owned it for a very long time and I think they got a lot of undue attention that they didn't like. Um, they should have managed it. They probably recognised the level of destruction that they may have been a part of and they probably gotcha. want to separate themselves from that. Oh, I see. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I think, and I think that's more to the point. I mean, you know, Mount Warning, the one, the, the mountains behind uh, the Stonehenge site, which looked like the three pyramids from a certain angle, mm. uh, they're all on private property, so you can't just go and explore them. Um, a lot of this stuff would have been on private property, and as we discussed before, whatever the British didn't destroy intentionally, they they put it in. And I, I've said this to a few of the guys, and I, you know, I'll do the same thing with you. It's like, right, Kath, you have you've been a good girl. You've finished your. You stole your piece of bread and you, you served your time. We're going My to give family you- came here as free settlers, just saying. <laughs> just well, that's like- the story I was told. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what the hell happened? Yeah. Uh, so did mine, but it was a cousin. Yeah. That's not what I heard. No, no, we didn't come here as convicts. A, a family member came here as a convict, but it wasn't our, it was cousins. That sounds really dodgy. <laughs> you just seem to own it. <laughs> Could again. Anyway, we've behaved. It was there. my cousin. It wasn't me. It, it was, was my cousin. cousin. Yeah, my cousin's got this problem. Yeah, I can, I can hear what you're hearing. <laughs> I can now that I've said it out loud. I yeah. can hear what you're hearing. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah, but look, you've been a good girl. You served your time. We'll give you a parcel of land, like you said before. You you know, and it was actually in the contract. Basically, mm. you can have this land for pennies on the dollar, uh, but you got to work the land, whether it be sheep, whether it be cattle, whether it be chickens, whether it be mm. wood, whatever it is, pine. And, yeah, anything you find, we'll have to take that land back mm. and you must tell us. Mm. So, so <laughs> out comes the uh, bullocks. Yep. And just dragging down the just dragging standing down the stones. stones. Yep, pretty much, exactly. And that's yeah. not here. That's not just – that's all along the East Coast. Uh, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the ever-gnawing story of um, that diggers were swore to secrecy in World War II when they bulldozed a pyramid in Tinkham Bay. Yeah, uh, that was actually quite significant. They bulldozed it to make an airfield, and they just pushed it into the ocean. Basically. Wow, that uh, hurts my soul does, hearing that. It? Yeah. So how come they let Stonehenge stand in England? Maybe the Druids. Yeah, there's a there's a different power struggle there, I suppose. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's a different power struggle. The, okay. the the Scottish and the Druids and the Celts have always been at the door mm. whereas the again the systematic genocide and destruction that was the that was the premise of this country that was the premise yeah it was not the 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 it's reason nasty. the reason they sailed here is to destroy it yeah and as i say i don't think it was some just oh i was trying to get to india and i landed in australia bullshit they knew they knew they had maps that's very interesting so there would be people in uh, England, probably the monarchy and probably high levels of government, if not our own government, mm-hmm. that actually know all of this. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's, and it's, that we'll never find out. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, if they actually admit it and recognise it now, you know, the... Oh, edi- shit would break loose. Like. <laughs> yeah, because the edict of the English was basically they couldn't 
um, settle a country or or take over a civilization that was past a certain point of advancement. That's why they denigrated the Aboriginal people so much exactly. in terms of their advancement. Yeah. Because Whereas it fitted were, their narrative. It fitted their narrative. They were advanced. Yeah. They were. They did have proper settlements. They did have evidence of agriculture. Because you've got to remember that most of the explorers that came here came out here for the Crown. Yeah. So they write their books and they send them back to the Crown they go in the library. Yeah. Whereas there were some independent explorers, and this is where some of this information now come out through guys like Bruce Pascoe and stuff like that, where he's found some of the books and some of these independent ones, where they came across fields where the, the, the wheat was all harvested and cross-hatched. They came across stone settlements. They came across the standing stone arrangements. They came across all this stuff. And whether this was some of this stuff was an echo from another time, it could be. Mm. It could be. However, yeah, uh, the, the overarching thing, regardless of the issues that the Indigenous people have in this country, not only with the, the white people, which is justified, um, I suppose my perspective is that I had nothing to do with it. And I'm just an explorer trying to find and help. Unfortunately, guys, that is where it cut off. I made a mistake and didn't realise that I have to double the amount of time needed for every mic that I put in. So we missed out on the last 15 or so minutes, didn't we, Dull? Yes. However, it's been a few weeks since we last sat down and actually recorded the first part of this podcast. A the, crazy few weeks, that's why yeah, we haven't got back to it. a crazy few weeks, just for everyone, it's Boxing Day, we're actually recording in the in the lounge room tonight, nice and comfortable. However, being the fact that it's Boxing Day means the 21st has come and gone. What happened? Not much. Uh, there was some... Oh, I don't think that's fair, but anyway, <laughs> go on. Well... Uh, the aliens didn't land. The aliens didn't land on Uluru. Yeah. That's that doesn't mean not much happened. Not much happened. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Look, the, the big the big consternation in the household at the moment is I lost the memory card with the photos I took of the moon and the, the conjunction. So, I've got to put that one out to the finding ferry so they can make Return it. <laughs> Return that. would be nice because I really think I took some awesome photos. But I'll post those when it... Uh, Thankfully, there's a lot of people on the earth with cameras. So That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's not like minor individual. Mm. Yeah, uh, when when we find that, I will post them onto the page. So look, not a lot happened. Uh, there was some interesting things that happened out at Uluru. I haven't listened to Steve Strong put a bit of a video on. Actually, Dylan, you're the one that's listened to more of that than me. Can you give us a quick snapshot of basically what he said? Look, I haven't followed the whole thing from where to go. I've just seen snippets and watched bits and pieces of Facebook videos and followed a few comments of, of you know, both sides or however many sides there are mm-hmm. of the Uluru Palava. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem like I did feel sorry for Steve when I saw the video. Mm-hmm. I really do think that they've been trolled ridiculously. Mm-hmm. Um and I think they were, they were set up. I think I think for whatever reason, I think that they've um, mm, had a lot of misinformation given to them. That they've I think they've trusted people, and as they, they said, and I, I do believe it. You know, people are, who are their haters. Very few of them have actually come up and tried to work things out in a civilized fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what has gone on really highlights the deep uh, multi generational culture. Um, in the Indigenous people of trauma 
Yeah. And um, for one way or whatever reason, an inability to heal that. And I think that that is, I don't know what the answer is to that. However, I think that that has become really obvious. Um, the racism on both sides has become very obvious. Um, I actually saw a Facebook video that was done by a, a white woman um, that was really angry and it was supposed to be a meditation helping Uluru. So I think this has actually brought up a lot of demons for people. Mm. And it doesn't mm. matter what colour you are. I think that, you know, um, a lot of people's demons have come up and they're not really probably acting in their best their best selves. No. Um, I do think that um, from what I hear, um, Stephen Strong certainly always shows a great deal of respect. Yes. And I think that that hasn't been returned. Mm. Um, I also think that... Um, I think that something did shift on that night without yeah. sounding too woo-woo. I know the aliens didn't land. No. Like we we're kind of all wishing they would. Yeah. Um, I do think there was a lot of, um, well, the Schumann resident, resonance for one went off and there went up. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And there's ev- scientific evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a lot of people globally who were sending really pure intent mm. and universal light, love, whatever you want to call mm. it. Mm. And I actually think is a, the fact that there's so many people globally mm-hmm. uh, who were interested in the healing of Mother Earth mm-hmm. from all different cultures and places. Mm-hmm. There were some beautiful photos taken in Hawaii. Um, the volcano went off apparently at the same time as the Uluru meditation was happening. Yeah, right. And there were photos taken of that, which I think is amazing. There's been yep. a number of reportings globally of blue lights coming through the sky. So yep. I, I'm not sure what that's about, but mm-hmm. people couldn't have doctored all that simultaneously. No. And I am a bit of a skeptic on that front. Yeah. So I think we're yet to see, um, you know, the... <laughs> the cat's just come I to knew, say hello. I knew Zelda would do that. I knew. That, that, that is our 22-year-old cat called Zelda and she always has to poke her nose in the business. You anyway, on. so that's. I, I think that there's there's just a lot of people need to like be nice. Yeah. You, and it seems like that hasn't been happening yeah. and not for a long time, like the whole mm-hmm. lead up to it. Mm-hmm. Look, I will be honest, you know, if we want to talk about a woo-woo perspective, I felt an energy shift about quarter past eight when I was out there. Mm. Uh, messing around with the telescope, I actually felt like a, a, a vibration shift. Yeah. Uh, and look, that many people meditating at the same time and directing energy to all these old megalithic sites, because it was all over the globe. They didn't just focus at all the room, it was Stonehenge, there was all sorts of places. Hawaii is theoretically what's left of Lemuria as well, which is an interesting topic that's not for tonight. However, mm. you know, that's got its own history. Yes, Zelda. Uh, and look, I respect Stephen and Evan for what they have done for alternative archaeology in Australia. And look, I think they're probably not treated fairly. They are probably trolled a lot. Um, however, they did. Well, Stephen did say what he said, and he said it on a number of different um, platforms, including this one. And well, I agree. Uh, and just remind everyone what he did say. Yeah, that the aliens were going to land on Uluru I think on if, the 21st of December. Yeah, and look, I suppose that that kind of information is very much open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. And with anything in the psychic field, like I remember years ago, there was a, a psychic lady called Blossom Goodchild in New Zealand. She predicted aliens landing on some certain date and was very sure about it. Quite a good psychic, you know, as far as psychics go. Anyway, the date came and went. Mm. And no aliens appeared. And I think that when you are interpreting information, even if you are highly clairvoyant, I think you have to be really careful interpreting information from other dimensions or other energies. Mm -hmm. 
because we are only human and we put it through our own filter. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the challenge with this. That's why it's so hard to narrow down dates, even though there's a cosmic alignment on that day. Mm -hmm. Maybe the uh, message that was being trying to, you know, get through and what he framed it in his words were that the aliens, well, the aliens probably are already here, you just need to go to the local shops. However, you really, it may have just been that a different energy. Yeah. Rather than actual physical beings like us. Like, I think it's so open to interpretation. Absolutely. And look, he did say those words. However, I just wonder in the interpretation, having seen so many psychic type people get stuff wrong when mm. they're very good with stuff, mm. that there is a bit of a... You know, and look, messing for, the signals sometimes. And look, I know he did say in a video that he did didn't complete the ceremony at Uluru, but he did do one with his stones and all that sort of stuff. And he said it was a success. Well, Is that correct? It seemed like that's why he went there. I don't think, um, from what I could gather, and I haven't followed it to the letter all the way along. Mm. They were ever going to try and do a ceremony. Maybe they were trying to do a ceremony in Uluru, and they were locked out at that ten o'clock thing. I'm not sure, yeah. but. I think his intention was only to ever do a, a ceremony with the stones. And from what I gather, he said the stones didn't want to be part of the Uluru experience. Yeah. Yeah, look, there was this. So I'd have to, to be, listen to it again to be. Look, very we're, we're waiting on, on more that. information. However, there was some palaver that came out that they shut Airs Rock down to because of coronavirus on the day. And there was a bit of um, interesting stuff that went on. We are going to get more information on that. Yeah. So stay tuned on that. Look, I think we'll move on. Can I just say one thing before we do? Sure. Um, I think the really important thing is a lot of people went out there with the intention, intention of well, yeah. the, the intention of actually healing Mother Earth and raising the whether, vibration of the planet. Yeah. Well, that sort of you know, as a as a byproduct, I guess. However, the fact that people went out there with really heart centered in their own little way, there was a lot of different people doing different things, not just the That's strong. That's true, absolutely. Um, chaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the fact that people care enough to do that mm. should be celebrated Absolutely. in their own way. They were harming no one. Well, we did our own ceremony here, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. there's harming no one. However, I just think that should be celebrated. And I think people who are feeling negative and hateful really need to sort their shit out. Yeah, look, there's no need to be nasty. <laughs> I think that's, that's the reality. And just mean. You know, I, I, I made a post about discourse the other day, and, and discourse is important. Um, I really respect... Stephen and Evan, for the work they have done over many years in the Australian alternate archaeology field, whether or not I agree with their conclusions is irrelevant to the work that they've done. That's right, but everyone's got an opinion. Absolutely. Everyone's got their own evidence. Everyone Absolutely. has the right to make their own conclusions. It's called free speech, Absolutely. and I think that that's what everyone's forgetting here yeah, yeah. because everyone wants to be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think yeah, that yeah. if you want to actually uncover anything near the truth, you need to get a snippet of what everyone says and try and see the common threads or open the field to people who want to contribute mm. unlock, think, unlock the code as it would be yeah yeah <laughs> hey that's a good name for a podcast that's a good name for a podcast well that's exactly what we try and do here so anyway we can move on now yeah we can move on now i suppose we we ended with me saying that i was just an explorer and over the last few weeks and listening back to the first part of this podcast i've thought more about that and look that is truly what i am there's also been an interesting revelation only a couple of days ago over the festive season that it turns out that I have Indigenous on both sides of my family, um, which was an interesting <laughs> bit of information. And look, I'm not saying that to, to claim anything. However, it's it's interesting how these things can be interpreted. Um, and as an explorer, I am going to, uh, into the new year, do a lot more 
focus work and bits and pieces to move really move the information that I've got along and, and investigate some more threads. And hopefully not cop any like hate mail or death threats yeah. or all the other stuff that all the people who want to investigate this area seem to be copying. Yeah. Yeah, look, there's some interesting stuff that goes on. Like it, you, when you when you truly are exploring this stuff, and this isn't just – it goes on very heavily in Australia, but it happens all over the globe. Every time you try and question the paradigm or investigate something that's a little left of field and provide evidence – it seems to be that because it, it doesn't suit the narrative, you get, um, excuse me, you get, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trashed. You, yeah, ostracised. Ostracised. Yeah. Alienated. Alienated. Annihilated. <laughs> I suppose the thing is, is I don't care. Uh, I suppose, sweetheart, you know, over the last few weeks, you know, we have had a few discussions about how we were going to finish this. And I suppose considering this is you were interviewing me is there any other questions or things you wanted to ask me that you haven't already um oh look i don't think so i think to me since we did the the first part of this podcast a lot of things have revealed themselves to me about the the state of the origines mm-hmm. um the act I've been quite shocked by what I've seen online in the lead up to the so-called Uluru ceremony. It really shocked me and it's from both sides of the fence actually. Mm. And it just seems a terrible shame that people are still so uh, seemingly defined by their colour and the colour of others. Um, I think there's a lot of respect from a lot of uh, white people, if I can say that, I know, for our Indigenous um, Aboriginal people. And I feel like um, that's not necessarily reciprocated, um, which I found really um, disappointing. Mm. Um, not that I have had any form of exposure. It's actually stopped me wanting to go down those tracks further myself because it does seem like um, original originally people don't really want much to do with white people and I'm not sure it's mm. a shame because it'd be nice to come together and look I know there's the black fella white fella magic mm. and I'm certainly not saying all um indigenous people feel that way however it gets to the point where you don't even know what to actually say I think I mentioned this earlier whether you, you say do, yeah. black people indigenous originally you don't want to offend anyone but you still manage to offend someone it just seems everyone's so busy getting fucking offended that no one's actually making any ground so yeah I don't think there's any more questions I need to ask you at the moment. I, it's just more my own self-discovery since we did the, the start of the podcast at thinking how, how on earth can I help fix this? And the answer is I don't, I don't know there's an answer because the answer needs to come from within. Yeah, look, one of the things that we sort of spoke about at the end of the – well, we were still reco- – well, I thought we were still recording. <laughs> was, Rambling for yeah. ages <laughs> and then realised it all ran out. 20 minutes gone past and we messed it up. <laughs> Was was one of the things I did want to speak about because it's something that I've sort of felt pretty keenly is like what what makes you worthy and worthy of information or worthy of being included or these sorts of things in these Indigenous endeavours, doing things out of true respect and altruism. It doesn't make a difference, does it? Yeah. See, that's the whole thing. There's no discernment there from the people that we have seen with regards to people who have true respect. And there's mm. a lot of people who don't. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which is still a problem within white communities. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that needs to be fixed from within white communities. Absolutely. And all we can do is say, hey, no, that's not on. Yeah. However, I guess it's, um, I don't know what you have to do. 
I don't know what you have to do. And from what I hear, even if you are a black fella, um, you still don't get access to a lot of those stories. There's, there's a lot of – and look, that's a cultural thing, which is fine. However, I guess the question the Indigenous people of Australia need to ask themselves, their tribes, their elders, are these secrets worth keeping to the extent that they become lost forever? Is that because that's actually what's in danger of happening? Mm-hmm. Is that if these secrets are not shared with the right people mm-hmm. at the right time, regardless of their skin color, mm-hmm. they risk losing their civilization? Mm. And look, I think it, it pays for everybody to remember all the colors of the rainbow is that what we're talking about here in Australia was a global spiritual culture that came here regardless of color creed religion and learned well i think that's too far out there for some indigenous communities because from what the the small number i've had exposure to they want to claim it all as their own yeah like for example the gimpy pyramid um no one will accept up there that it's anything other than kabi elders and i have greatest respect for kabi dreaming and and the the saving of that sacred place Mm. however it's very obvious that there was some influence there Mm. and uh, no one wants to share that influence mm-hmm. in order to even save the place. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know... Well, it depends on which Kabi elders you're talking about as well. I mean, that... And then they're all fighting with each other. Yeah. So you can't get anywhere in terms of the actual site, mm. certainly to preserve it um, and to teach children, mm. um, no matter what race, colour, creed, religion they are, mm. about the true history of Australia. It seems mm. like there's all these barriers and egos... And it doesn't matter what colour. Yeah. Um, however, no one's really trying to preserve the culture mm. of the the people that were here yeah. for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. yeah and, and that's frustrating. It is frustrating. And, yeah, I don't know what really makes you worthy of it. Um, and I suppose it, it, <clears throat> it leads me to the question, is, it, is there any secrets at all? Is there anything? Is it, is it just... I don't know. Is it like? Is it fear? Like I spoke about earlier in the first part of the podcast. Is it fear of not being right? Is it fear? And this, and then you know, there's this place that makes these sites sacred sites, and then you can't do anything with them. That's that's another one of the brick walls that we're coming up against. There's all this very strange stuff about here in Australia that um, I'm, I'm at into the new year with the love and support of my beautiful wife. I'm going to dig a little bit more into that to to see what I can find. However. Well, I do have a question for you. Why then are these sites preserved in other countries, but they're not preserved in Australia? I there's 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 a couple of answers here, right? There's the there's well there's probably more than there's probably three answers here. Number one, uh, ignorance and denial of genocide, and that's just yeah. that's just that's just plain Australian government. Yeah. That's just plain Aussie government. They don't want anything to do with it. Well, is that still because we're associated with England? Like, yeah. do you think that might shift if we ever became a republic? Do you think you, the Australian government still protecting the crown in that regard? Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I mean, the governor general is still technically the most powerful person in the country, mm. you know, above our prime minister. Um, number two, ignorance, I think. Uh, and the narrative being quite well worn and everybody just accepting the narrative and whatever anything that comes outside the narrative doesn't exist and number three 
uh, an interesting I had a bit of a uh, reaction energetically when I just said number three is that it's actually part of a darker agenda that is covering up the genocide and destruction of an ancient culture that once existed. So you're contending that there's a culture beyond the um, originally people in Australia, beyond the originally people globally that came here. Is this where you go down the alien path? Oh, look, I've talked a lot about Bruce Fenton's work that 780,000 years ago. Uh, we did a whole podcast about that. Uh, an alternate origin theory is quite a good one. I'm contending that, and I'm not too sure if I spoke about this in the first part, but I'm contending... That I hope we don't repeat everything we've already talked about. No, it's, you it's okay. You better check this. No, it's fine. It's fine. My listeners are awesome. They don't care. And they, they'd love to have you on. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see how many trolls react to this podcast. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, look. I'm saying that, so basically since we last spoke about this, and I don't think I've actually talked to you about this, I expanded on the idea that who survived the cataclysm. So let's pretend that there was a global spiritual culture that existed around the world. They probably had access to some types of advanced technology, um, enabled some of them to survive however like this planet we can clearly see all the time is that there's multiple different levels and let's say there was a spiritualistic side to this world and there was a materialistic side to this world for great cataclysms coming and there's a 400 foot tidal wave spreading across the earth with continent-wide wildfires volcanoes etc etc if the materialist side of the society that previously existed knew as well they would be better equipped to survive than the spiritual side um, because they would not, you know, one would have a different capacity to the other. So that's what you're saying is the birth of the chasing the dollar because those people survived and the spiritual hippies who thought aliens were coming to get them were sadly disappointed and subsequently wiped out. Maybe. Look, that's a very very simplistic way to... Thanks for captioning my awesome theory. Um... (laughs) However, yeah, look, I suppose if you agriculture starts pretty much like straight away 11,600 years ago, which is after the second cataclysm, um, somewhere around Turkey, um, though that's the modern take, obviously, we, are, we do know now that agriculture was happening here in Australia with the indigenous Australians, uh, the Origines, however... Which they argue about. Yeah, which they argue about. They put a whole pile about. of hate stuff yeah. up there. They argue, and this, and this is the ridiculous thing, is that they're actually arguing amongst themselves more than accepting a, a broader range of culture. Like, that's one of the things that frustrates me the most. So, should they actually get together? Like, isn't shouldn't the government have some kind of council of Aboriginal elders from all over Australia to get together and decide what the fuck went on and what the fuck is going on? Mm. Like, why is that not happening? Like, there's all these councils, there's all this so-called white people-flavoured Indigenous affairs and stuff like that. Mm. Why isn't there an actual council of Origini people? Do you know, and this is... uh, That could advise the government and everything, like just running alongside. This is a controversial answer. We've said enough controversial stuff in this podcast. I think that the English... So when the English came here... No, don't go there. No, no, when the English came here, the Indigenous were mainly a matriarchal society 
and they flipped the tables and made the Indigenous a patriarchal society and they lost their way in, in more ways than one, apart from changing them from the desert to the ocean, the ocean to the desert. And I think that... Just explain that because I only heard that the other day. I was yeah. not aware of that. So apparently, is yeah. this proven? Is this alleged or is it actually something that... We'll say alleged, evidence? but I'm pretty sure there's evidence. You'd have to Google it. I haven't, I haven't pulled up the articles for a long time. However, basically as part of the genocide, the remaining tribe, indigenous tribes, they took the ones out of the desert and put them on the islands, the Tiwi Islands mainly, and they took the one from the islands and put them in the desert so they reversed their... Habitats. Habitats. Extremely. Yeah, which is the sickest, darkest fucking thing. One of the, You know, apart from the ongoing slaughter, it's one of the darkest things. Like, how you could actually think that was a good idea. Um, look, the bottom line is, babe, from my perspective, and this is only my perspective, is that they can't all get along. Like, as you say, you talk about the Gimpy Pyramid, which Carby Elders? Because technically the Carby Elders signed off on the bypass going through. But then the other ones that we did some work with didn't. But they both claim to be the same thing. You know, there's, there's, it's... Yeah. Well, yeah. I wish that there was a council mm. of Aboriginal people, mm-hmm. elders and also younger people, because mm-hmm. I think younger people have a bit of a, a different perspective to offer. Mm-hmm. I wish that was the case. I wish that they could come together and, and get their shit sorted mm-hmm. and um, find a way to move forward in working with white people, not just the magic side or not the energetic side or the... Yeah. Well, you have to be... You have to, you have to move with the times. That's the reality. Um, and there's a way forward, you know. However, you know, going back to the theory is that I think the materialistic society that survived... Uh, then set out to systematically destroy any remnants of the previous global spiritual culture because I think prior to the last cataclysm, like prior to 12,800 years ago, that the ruling culture was the global spiritual culture. It wasn't actually a materialistic, capitalistic, uh, greed-based culture. Well... Sorry, that is an interesting, um, yeah, an interesting theory. And look, and look I'm building it on it. I'm, I'm building on it. There's an, it's an idea. I've probably got three or four pages of ideas and thoughts about it. It's something right. I'll probably talk about later. So I think we should wrap this up. Yep, that's because fine, we've already rabbited on for an hour and a half. So we just <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, sweetie. We had to sit down and finish it off. Well, listen, I really uh, appreciate your time. And thank you for coming on. You're welcome. And I would love you to come on again another time, maybe to discuss Get Zen a bit more. Maybe. 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 Okay. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts considering this is your last podcast? Oh, last podcast. First my last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was just hide and fired pretty darn quickly, no, wasn't no, I? <laughs> sorry, your first Whoa. podcast. Considering this is your first podcast, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, just only that it's... Uh the unearthing of all of this information is very interesting and the people that you meet are very interesting along the way and I just think the answer is love, people. <laughs> the answer is love. Yeah, Be is. kind. Yeah. And just let everyone have their say. What's wrong with free speech? Everyone's taking it so personally. Yeah. And if we all had a, a go at an opinion, mm. maybe we might come up with something really great putting bits and pieces of it together. But as long as people are fighting and threatening and carrying on like lunatics, mm-hmm. you know, and the proof is in the pudding. With that manifestation and the the shift in the resonance mm-hmm. that night where so many people globally just sat in peace mm-hmm. and sent love and healing to our earth. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that shouldn't just be a solstice thing. No, absolutely. You I know? totally agree. The answers are in the shades of grey, people. There are no absolutes. We know nothing. And the sooner we all accept that and look at things from multiple perspectives, the better we all will be. That's about it, guys. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this one. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you next year. Thanks very much, Don. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Be kind, be cool, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Shoot. Shoot.